Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined, as ever, by Jake McGee and Dave Somerville. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Another week, another dollar. Absolutely. I bought my thesaurus for this, and yeah, oh, did this, you? this is what you come up with. <laughs> I let down. Right, okay, um, let, let, just give me two seconds. Um, I shall <laughs> go for the uh, indubitable uh, Jake McGee and the indestructible Dave Somerville. I'll take that. I'll take that. There you go. So is that better? You happy with that? Much better. Just, just throwing these things off the cuff. Just Absolutely. off the cuff there. Unbelievable. Uh, right. So, 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 gentlemen, it's another week of preseason. Uh, we've got some news. We're doing a deep dive into the AFC South this week. And of course, we're going to have random stats as well. But we do have to start off with the news. Jake, can you give us the lowdown on uh, the latest things around the NFL this week? Yeah, we went, we're having a, a quiet week and then it seems to have all boomed up over the last few days. There's been few retirements, there's been a sign-in, and some things about um, casting in terms of Amazon Prime. I think the, the biggest news of it really was Rob Gronkowski retiring, or re-retiring. Uh, re, re, um, Re-re-retiring, was it? Yes, yeah. yeah. Is this his third time, is it? Third time, so, you know, <laughs> sorry, Rob, if you're listening, I don't particularly believe you, and I'll see you week 10. Um, but, yeah, he retires four times Super Bowl champ, five times Pro Bowler, um, part of the 2010 All-Decade team, and the NFL 100th anniversary All-Time team. Uh, but as we kind of touched on there, he retired supposedly in 2018 when he was um, traded to the Lions. Can't blame him for that one. Um, let him off the hook for that, I suppose. Um, re-retired again in 2019 and then this is technically the third time he's retiring so we'll see I'm sure if Tom Brady comes calling on a playoff stretch he'll 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 come back for old Tom uh what what do you think Dave do you reckon he's going to stay retired yeah I think this time he might actually uh, I I mean to take it with a pinch of salt you you, you don't know anyway we thought the same about Tom Brady and then well then, then he, he what six weeks off until he was like, actually, I think I'll come back. Yeah, I don't like it away from the football, basically. But uh, I, I think Gronk might actually be done now. I, I hope for his sake, because, you know, sometimes you, you should quit while you're ahead. Um, I don't know if he really was ahead. He was just kind of on the downward. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he should kind of give it up now. I hope so for his sake. But, um, yeah, let just call it, call it quits, Gronk. Come on. We know you're listening. Listen to us. We are the wise three. Let's just do it, please. Well, that's what he with Brady. He doesn't have any kids. So Brady probably like six weeks of kids. He's like, I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> Who would blame him? My goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we all know that Gronk is going to go down as one of the, the best ca- pass-catching tight ends of all time. I actually saw immediately, as soon as he announced his re-retirement re, re or whatever it was, uh, they were saying, oh, where does he rank amongst the all-time greats? And, you know, it, it's hard to exclude him from the top, what, five maybe? Yeah, top five. Top five. I'd say he's, he's got to be top five. I mean, I, I don't like these things where they say, you know, rank your top five quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, whatever. I, I don't like to do it in order because it's so difficult to choose who is actually the best um, over someone else. Uh, just recently, there was one I saw on Twitter, which is, um, where does Daryl Rivas rank as the best cornerbacks of all time? And I was thinking, oh, 
it's, it's, it's hard, again, just like Rob Gronkowski, it's hard to, not to say top five, but where do you rank him? I think the ones I had was uh, Dion Sanders, um, Rod Woodson, Champ Bailey, Daryl Rivas, and Eric Allen uh, as my top five. But of course, a lot of people would, you know, disagree with, with some of those choices. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's, you know, you can obviously say, you know, he's top five, he's top ten or whatever, but who would you put that's ahead of him? There's very, very few. I, I, like, personally, from this era, I, I'd say, from my own knowledge, I would say maybe Tony Gonzalez uh, would be ahead of him. I, th- yeah, I think he was quite unique. I, I you think know, you've got a couple of these guys, but there's not a lot, nobody at tight end has his kind of numbers and achievements. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. The, the numbers scream Gronkowski. I mean, they just mm-hmm. do. If if I had to draft a tight end on talent, yeah, Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp. My goodness, I often yes. forget that he was a tight end. It's difficult to look past Kelsey. And I know a lot of people say that's the Patrick Mahomes effect. Um, but I don't think it is, though. I, I, I think I, he's so... I don't know. He's just got George Kittle. We're forgetting about George Kittle in San Francisco. Kittle and well. Kelsey right now, this could be the, the best sort of pair of tight ends in the NFL since Tony Gonzalez and Sharon Sharp. That's a big, that's a big one to get. Yeah, that's a big thing to say out there but with the kind of caliber um, of these two players in times gone by. Yeah, but I, it's, it's hard to disagree. You know, they are... I think the tight end position is evolving though as well, and I think Gronk adapted to that because a lot, you know, a lot of times uh, it would be kind of fifty-fifty blocking and you know uh, throwing two, and obviously in the last let's say twenty, thirty years ago, obviously the run game was a lot more important. But some of these tight ends, they are they're just slightly bigger versions of uh, Calvin Johnson, and and they, <laughs> some of them have you know have so such amazing catching ability. It's you know, it's it's almost a crime that they have to go in on the de- on the offensive line instead yeah. of you know out wide. It, it's like when see when Kyle Pitts came out last year, mm-hmm. and you saw him on the field, and and it he doesn't look like a real human being because <laughs> he looks like he's built like a wide receiver, but he's much bigger. Do you remember? I don't know if you guys ever played the old Madden. I don't know if you can still do this in Madden, where you were able to create your own player. Do, do you remember that? And yeah. you could set the height at like up to seven feet and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like weight at four hundred pounds and and but speed at ninety nine. You know, you'd create your own player. Kyle Pitts looked a bit like that. He he looks like he shouldn't be there because you look at him against cornerbacks and you're like, let's let's not forget, this is not the old NFL. In the old mm. NFL where um, cornerbacks were. 510 you know and receivers were 511 it's not like that there, there was a trend through the i'm going to say like 80s and 90s that smaller wide receivers smaller faster wide receivers it was a trend towards them um in, almost in the style of, of tidy kill today yeah um but nowadays you know cornerbacks are much bigger than they were because wide receivers got bigger but then Kyle Pitts comes along and you look at him and he's just, he's too big <laughs> and so fast. And as you see, these tight ends with their the catching ability is just incredible. Jake, what, I want to get your take on this. What do you think? Me, they all kind of blur into one because you're seeing more and more 
with wide receivers. I think Devin Funchess has now moved to tight end. Uh, was it JJ or Sega Whiteside moved to tight end? And your point about um, Pitts is perfect because look who the Falcons drafted this year in Drake London. I mean, he's, he's the same height and you know a yeah. bit slimmer, but basically they've just got two tight ends. Like you know, one of them's classed as a wide receiver, one of them's tight end, but they're both going to do the same job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we know like players like Tom Brady, as an example, loves his tight ends, a big target, big tall guy that you can just th- throw the short ball to just, or, you know, dink it over the, over the inside linebackers underneath the secondary. And they're, they're just too big for corners to cover. I mean, when the year, uh, two years ago, when Tampa went to the Super Bowl, Brady was having a field day with Cameron Brait and OJ Howard and Gronkowski. Like, there, there's too many tight ends. You can't cover that many tight ends because you simply don't have the manpower. You can't go one-on-one with a cornerback. You can't go one-on-one with a linebacker. You've only got two safeties, you know, maybe three if you've got a, a nickelback in there, a, a safety. And you just think it's, it's really hard for defences to scheme against players of that size and speed. Um, so, yeah, Rob Gronkowski... He will go down as one of the best of all time. Uh, I don't know where. I, I'd put him top five, but I don't know where in that top five. I, I wouldn't put him number one. For me, it would either be Gonzalez or Shannon Sharp. They would be the, the top guy. Do you know what? In five years' time, we might all be saying Kyle Pitts. Uh, I bet we'll see, see how he gets on uh, over in Atlanta. Um, any other news uh, that's been going on this week, Jake? Seeing as we're talking about tight ends, I, I saw this uh, coming up with Mercedes Lewis. Um, he will tie the record for the most seasons played by a tight end if he's on the week one roster. Um, it's currently sat at 17, which is held by the aforementioned Tony Gonzalez and Jason Witten. Um, he says he wants to break it, so he's hoping to obviously play this year and next year. Um, he's the He was a first-round pick in 2006, spent 12 years in Jacksonville, and then he's been with the Packers ever since. And little nugget on it that he's the last remaining player uh, from the 2006 draft class. So he's, a he's consistency. Of, of all players? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I believe the Ravens punters at Sam Koch, he just um, retired, so he's the last active player from the 2006 draft class. There you go. Mercedes Lewis. I hope he does it. Yeah, he will. He'll certainly be trying to. This year's he's going to tie it, so at least he's up there you know, in the record books, but he's wanting to break it to obviously have it all to himself. Quite right. Quite right. Good for you, Mercedes. There was the, uh, and I, I thought it was a rather ironic um, piece of news in terms of Trey Waynes going onto a podcast and saying he couldn't be bothered um, with the, uh, he used expletives, but he couldn't be bothered with kind of the drama and announcing his retirement. So he went on a podcast and announced his retirement, which I, I just was bemused by the fact that he didn't want to announce his retirement, so went on a podcast to announce that he didn't want to announce his retirement. Oh, um, hmm. But he did, did, did play 79 games, 57 starts, um, you know, an up-and-down career. I think it was Minnesota he was drafted with, and then he went to the Bengals, um, but he spent most of his time with the Bengals in the injury room, so I think he basically just got fed up from the sounds of it. He's like, can't get on the the field. And then even when the Bengals were doing great and he came back, he was mainly just resorted to, to special teams. It's always a shame when you see players um, who might be in the league for five or six years and they're just injured for all of it. It's it's such a shame. Um, 
I remember the 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 tight end for the Bengals, um, Tyler Eifert, mm-hmm. and every preseason he looked unstoppable. You just you looked at this guy and went, "Wow, he's one of the best tight ends in the league." Oh, we're back talking about tight ends again. Um, <laughs> and then he would in, he would always get injured. I, I I'm not sure. I I don't have numbers in front of me. I'm not sure if he ever played a full season. I, d- I don't think so. Not a full season. Because like I say, he was one of those fantasy players that everyone was like, oh, I'm getting him. Yeah, like, absolutely. He's going to be great. And then if, by week 13, you're like, anyone want to trade him for, yeah. for a third round running back? <laughs> it's just, it's such a shame. And there's so many players. And, and, and so many times you have to think, you know, what could have been? What could have been if this guy had stayed healthy? Uh, I mean, the the, the obvious... Um, Answer, answer to the question of who is the, the be- biggest unknown of all time athlete probably Bo Jackson yes. Bo Jackson with the Raiders was uh, I mean if you ask any of the uh, let's call them experts um, they know more about it than I do um, who is you know arguably the greatest athlete to play in the NFL and a good chunk of them will say Bo Jackson now a lot of them will say Deion Sanders but a good chunk of them will say Bo Jackson he was big he was fast i mean fast that guy could run good grief he was unbelievable he was terrifying and he was oh, one of ball. the it's, it's a good job for my denver broncos and other teams the afc west bo jackson only played half a season every year because the other half season he was playing baseball that's right i was about to say he wasn't he was he was baseball and football and uh, he was yeah and both. he yeah. was like world class at both of them but he got injured so early in his career, and a lot of people are saying, you know, what could have happened if Bo Jackson had stayed healthy? Um, it's such a shame when you see that happening to players. And uh, Terrell Davis was another one. I mean, he he got injured. I think he played, was it six years in total he played? But essentially only five or four and a half years that he played. But he actually got injured trying to make a tackle off an interception. And that, that basically ended his career. Like, I think he came back, and but he was never the same again. Um, and, and Bo Jackson, he got injured. I think he blew out something in his hip, if memory serves. But Bo Jackson was a scary player to... to if, if you're a supporter of the opposing team and Bo Jackson is there on the Raiders, you're just going, oh, no, no, no. Oh, I don't, don't like this. Uh, it's the same way, I don't know if you saw, uh, I can't remember who it was, was talking on in an interview and they were saying how they just absolutely hated going up against Peyton Manning. And I was saying the, Peyton Manning was the worst person to go up against because he was so good. And you think, well, yeah, I mean, he was, but the scariest person to go up against from a defensive point of view, Peyton Manning? I mean, I, I didn't well, understand that, but he was saying, no, I'd no. I'd be more no. concerned at, like, Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick, you know. I'd be like, well, well, like, yeah, that's what, what I was do? thinking. But apparently he was just saying that Peyton Manning made defenders look stupid because they thought they knew what he was doing and he was doing something completely different. The way he always uh-huh. audible to the line. And then defenders are all of a sudden sitting on their backsides and the police going behind them. They're going, well, you know, what just happened there? Oh, that was Peyton Manning. Hi, oh, thanks very much. Making me look like an idiot. <laughs> but uh, yeah the sound clips of uh, quarterbacks like Peyton Manning basically telling the linebacker what they've called and linebacker's like how does he know <laughs> how does he know he's, he's in my head I can't remember who it was 
ah, oh, was it Peyton Manning? It might have been where he's, he's shouting, like, 51's the mic. And he's going, no, I'm not. No, I'm, not. I'm not the mic. <laughs> I, I can't remember if that was Peyton Manning. I don't remember which quarterback that was. I just remember that, that you know, the, the sound bites from the NFL films. He's going, no, I'm not. I'm, no, I'm not the mic. And he goes, 51's the mic. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Trying to second guess. And then, of course, you had Cam Newton's, uh, the guy shouting, the, the defenders shouting at the play. And he goes, oh, you watch film, huh? He says, I watch film too. Watch this. And then scores a touchdown. It's like an end around, wasn't it? In the end? It was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you've been watching film. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I, I love these. The, uh, is it sound effects? Is that what they call it in the NFL films? They have the. Mic'd up, I think. Yeah, uh, mic'd, uh, up, mic'd yeah. up. Thank you very much. Mic'd up. And some of them are absolutely brilliant. They've got these collages on uh, NFL Network. If you ever watch NFL Network, uh, in between some of the programs, they have mic'd up. And some of them are absolutely brilliant. And I just I just love the ones where quarterbacks and inside linebackers are shouting at each other across the line of scrimmage. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Yes. So, uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately for the man, injured. And that, that is a shame. So, but yeah, to announce his, his retirement um, by not, sorry, by saying, what did you say he... He went onto a podcast and basically says he didn't want to announce his retirement. Like he wasn't going to do a big thing about announcing his retirement, which I just thought going onto a podcast to say that you're not retiring by retiring is to to me, it confused me. I was like, you're either making a deal of it and telling everyone you're retiring or you're not. I think he's kind of leaving the door open, but yeah, it's just just like make up your mind. Are you going to announce it to people or are you keeping it to yourself? You You can't do a bit of both. You can't say I'm not announcing it. But I'm announcing it right now, but I'm not. <laughs> Do you think he just meant that he didn't want like one of those press conferences? Well, because Rob Gronkowski's not, a, not, you know, he's one of the best players in his position. He's not a press conference yet, as far as I'm aware. He just put out a tweet said, yo, that's me done. I know, it's it's usually, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I'm 100% convinced that Gronkowski is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's, I have no doubt yeah. in my mind. But these press conferences usually are for first ballot Hall of Famers. It's it's guys like, you know, Peyton Manning when he retires. When Tom Brady retires, he'll have a big press conference. We all know this yeah, is going to happen. I don't know if... <laughs> you know, no offence to the man, but I don't know if he would have had a big press conference for his retirement. No, I, I that's why I think he probably went on to a podcast. That, you know. so you think, if he wants to come on to this podcast and announce his retirement, Trey Wayne's hit me up on my DMs, we'll bring you on, you can announce your retirement if, if you want. I, if any NFL player wants to announce their retirement on the WinFL show, feel free to do so. They, you can hit us up on Twitter, at the WinFL show, you can find myself, Jake and Dave, and just say, hey, do you know what, I'm going to retire, I want to announce it uh, on a podcast from the Western Isles of Scotland. That would be great. I think more and than who wouldn't want to do that? I, I expect next season, that is how things will go forward everyone will do it uh because i saw a thing the other day that said larry fitzgerald hasn't retired and i'm going yes he has <laughs> like I'm, I'm sure he has but then they said no he's still he's still not retired just not playing he's just not playing and i was going but why hasn't he retired then maybe larry fitzgerald is going for the most seasons ever just he's, he's just waiting for the card. Like Cardinals are like six. No, he's like yes, I'm going to come out of retirement. And then the Cardinals fall. He's like ah, never mind. Maybe, never mind. I'll stay <laughs> retired. That's You'll wait until like they reach the playoffs. Like right, I'm I'm back. I'm yeah, back. You now. could just have hold the second part of the season, boys. I'll come back. But until you can prove to me that you can do that, I'm out. 
Quite right, Larry Fitzgerald doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. Uh, that's another, I'm talking about first ballot Hall of Famers, that's another one right there. Larry Fitzgerald, one of the best people of all time, let alone players. Um, anything else in the news, Jake? I understand that there was, um, unfortunately, some more sad news uh, regarding a player's passing. Yes, that was announced today, I believe, this morning. Um, very early, so I, I think it was late last night, uh, early morning. Uh, Baltimore Ravens linebacker Jalen Ferguson, uh, at the tender age of 26, um, was found um, unresponsive and, and they couldn't bring him back. Um, so that was, I think, last night in, in Baltimore. Um, and there's been obviously an outpouring of, of support from uh, teammates and, and players alike. He seemed to be a, a well-liked person from just kind of what I saw through Twitter. Yeah, and I, I think I speak for us all when to say that, you know, uh, we also offered our uh, deep sympathies to the family and friends there. It's uh, such a shame, 26 years old. Just seems to be a, a recurring thing. At the, like, I don't know if it's just because we're obviously doing a podcast this year and talking about it more and you're more, more involved, but that's four players I can think of in the last couple of weeks, three of them still active, and, you know, young, young men, all of them. It's just, when you read it, it just especially... Like you know, I'm thinking myself. I'm a young man. A lot of these players are younger than me, and it's just that, that kind of is a, a reality shock. Sometimes you kind of look in the mirror and go, "Oof, that is no age." No, definitely not. Uh, so uh, rest in peace there. Uh, was there any other news at all there, Jake? Uh, just a bit of love for for the big men. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi um, signing a one year deal with the Steelers. Um, remain. It's a one-year deal, so I'm hoping he's going to be on the Ravens next year to complete the AFC North <laughs> gauntlet. So, that he, you know, so right, you got go through it. Go through the teams for Ogan Joby for us there, Jake. So he's played for the Bengals. He's yeah. played for the Browns. Yes. He's now signed for the Steelers. So, just, so just it the only makes sense and that you, he signs. Yeah, and, and you know the thing is, with a name like Ogan Joby, and this is going to sound strange, okay, but stay with me. With a name like Ogan Joby, I feel I could see that name on a Ravens uniform. There's just something about that name that lends itself to a Ravens player. Don't ask me why. It just does. If you'd said, this is uh, Dave Ogan Joby, who do you think he plays for? Ravens. First team, I would say. Definitely the Ravens. So um, I think, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's, it's the same as, um, do you remember Haloti Nagata? Yep. He played for the Ravens. Big guard. He mm-hmm. played for the Ravens, and he looked like he played for the Ravens. You couldn't imagine him playing for anyone else. I don't know if he did play for anyone else, but you couldn't imagine him. It's just like Ravens. It's just someone with the name Nagata. Ogunjobi, that's a Ravens name. I can see it. He should totally do that. Play for the entire... I wonder, will he be the first player to play for an entire division if he did do that? I if he does, we'll have to check that for a random stat. But oh, hello, no, I did play for the he, he did play for the Lions for two years and then finished his, his career with the Eagles, but obviously most known for the Ravens now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, right, so is that the news? Uh, I, I would feel bad if we left off Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's joined Amazon Prime or Prime Video for pre-game, half-time and post-game coverage, joining Richard Sherman and Tony Gonzalez. So they're seemingly... Um, going all out with kind of their past players and kept getting um, some good insights. So certainly be interesting to see how they get on Thursday night. So it's official. He's, he's joining yes. Amazon. Yes, yes, he's joining Amazon. Um, 
just says for pre-game, half-time, and post-game, so I think it'll just be studio work, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, rather than commentary. Um, but yeah, like I said, they've, they've brought in some talent. I know, I know Tony Gonzalez has done things, I think, with Fox. Yes. Um, and then Richard Sherman's got his own podcast, and he's certainly been kind of going out there in terms of the media, so it should be an interest. You know, an interesting mix, and they kind of got different positions covered as well. I think Tony Gonzalez will be a lot happier uh, that he won't have anything to do with Terry Bradshaw and Phil Sims again. <laughs> because, uh, oh, they're awful, aren't they? They really are. I mean, they're they're Phil terrible. Sims, Sims it's, yeah, they're, they're taking up too much airtime. Oh, the, the Sims uh, take up way too much. I've been saying that I, I don't like Mike Florio. So sometimes when Chris Sims is on, I'm like, I can, I can live with it. Stomach. I can live with it, but uh, Terry Bradshaw and and uh, Phil Sims just honest. It makes you wonder somehow. Do you think how could these guys play for years in the NFL and not appear to know anything about the NFL? It's just it's it the, the mind boggles. Dave, what do you think of this? What do you think of of first of all Fitzpatrick uh, joining the team, and what do you think about who? Maybe you're not a you don't have the same feeling of just absolute, oh, I, yeah, I don't disdain when Teddy Bradshaw and Phil Sims come on. But uh, is there anyone that you just do not like? I mean, I, I, I was kind of nearly crying at the thought that Tom Brady might move, move into, you know, the media when his, yeah. was that his first, second, third, fourth or fifth retirement? Um, yeah. But um, no, there, there's no one that really stands out. I mean, the, these guys, I just, I, I, pretty much switch off half the time because it's just like yeah if it's not tony romo now i i, I don't care if tony romo's the best he's he is the new goat i think when it comes to broadcasting he calls the plays before you know they're, they're even run just as they're setting up he knows what's going to happen tony romo's been brilliant uh i i i'm looking forward to that kind of uh three-way of the of uh tony gonzalez richard Sherman, and fitz magic i think that is going to be a fantastic kind of group of players um, to really give the feedback on. I think one that did surprise me, though, um, in a good way, was I, I didn't think Kurt Warner was going to be any good. Uh, but I think he's actually getting better and better uh, as he kind of develops in the media. So uh, only positive things for myself. I've seen a couple others. A lot of Rams, a lot of former Rams are getting into it as well. I've seen uh, Marshall Falk, Tory Holt, um, Orlando Pace made a, a guest appearance as well at some point. So... You know, big up for the Rams, but I, I, I don't think, I, I think that the NFL fans are educated enough to know when someone is just talking absolute nonsense. Which so many, the, the so many comments that come out from, shall we say, Messrs. Bradshaw and Sims, uh, starts opening their mouths. But um, yeah, I, I think that I'm really looking forward to hearing some of some of the things that uh, Fitzmagic comes out with. But at the same time, even. Despite him being a 49er, um, Richard Sherman as well, I think it'd be very interesting what he has to say on a lot of the plays on the defensive side. Do you think of Richard Sherman as a 49er? I, I think maybe it's probably PTSD that seeing him lining line up against the Rams and then picking us off numerous times, yes. So I think that's embedded. So you've just blocked out the blocked out the Seattle thing altogether. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like do you want do you want punched in the left hand side of your face or the right hand side of your face? You know, it, it's like which one do you want to pick? But it's the 49ers that jump out for me. I think it's because the the last time I saw him play for the 49ers against the Rams, I was so intently watching. I was oh no, don't throw it there, don't throw it there. And of course, it was thrown there. So uh, yes, that that would be my 
my my kind of weekly dose of PTSD relived there. So yeah, I think I, <laughs> I think uh, in a, in a future episode we don't have to do it uh, just now. We'll move it move it to to next week or the week after. We really should think about our, our most disliked players, past Ooh. or present. We should, really should do that. As, you know, players and coaches that just drive you up the wall. Uh, I, I don't need to want... be a three parter, three parter for me on that one alone. <laughs> I, I don't want it to sound. It almost sounds like I'm moaning, and I, I get that. <laughs> I, I'm not moaning all the time. For example, you know <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, nothing, nothing. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just saying, you know, as an example, you know, I'm, I'm saying, you know, that I don't like Terry Bradshaw and Phil Sims or Mike Florio or Chris Sims, but. <laughs> You know, I, I re- there's a lot I really do like. I love, and I absolutely love Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Yeah. Rich Eisen, Mooch, uh, Kurt Warner, and Michael Irvin. I think mm-hmm. it is must-watch. I, I think it's just the, the best thing. And uh, Rich, Rich Eisen, for me, he's, he's the man. Whatever Rich Eisen says, it doesn't matter what he says, I'm going to believe him. He's just got that. He's got that timbre in his voice you know what i mean we should set a target to try get rich eisen on the podcast within the next 18 months that, next 18. That should be it if we can get year. him on the next 18 years i'll be a very happy man <laughs> <laughs> just oh, seeing right. i think we need to tweet him like every day until he appears in the podcast or something uh but yeah <laughs> I, I so i i don't want it to sound like i just hate everybody of course not i love the nfl i love talking about the nfl i'm subscribed to numerous podcasts and uh channels youtube channels that talk about the nfl I, because it's it's my thing it's what i love uh jake any opinion on this i just when you mentioned we're going to do a, a podcast talking about our, you know our heroes and who we who we really dislike i, I feel for pete carroll that's going to be a rough episode for pete carroll <laughs> I think all three of us. <laughs> it's going to be a rough <laughs> week. Because we know that Pete Carroll probably listened to the podcast. So that week, Pete, should, give it a miss. He should, miss, a miss, should miss that one. Miss that episode, Pete. Right? Just while you're at it, retire as well. <laughs> but just miss miss that episode. Oh, Jake's even the mention of his name. And I was like, oh. Right, but let's not do it this week. We should move on, gentlemen, and we are going to be talking about the deep dive this week of the AFC South. The AFC South. Now, last year in the AFC South, it was won by the Tennessee Titans with a record of 12-5. and five. Uh, Indianapolis Colts came second with uh, a record of nine and eight. We then had the Houston Texans and the Jaguars propping up the division. Uh, the Texans went four and thirteen, and the Jaguars went three and fourteen. Let's be honest, through no fault of their own. Uh, so, let's look forward to this year. We're going to start with the Tennessee Titans. Jake, give me your take on the Tennessee Titans for twenty twenty two. I am slightly concerned for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tannehill had more interceptions last year than the previous two years combined. Um, the season is a very tough one, looking at the schedule. I mean, they start uh, with the Giants and then they play Washington, um, but they might have one of the toughest stretches I've seen. Week 9-13, to 13, Chiefs away, Broncos at home, Packers away, Bengals, and then they finish with Eagles away. Um, they got a really early bye week, week 6, which I think is rather brutal. 
Um, you know, I'm worried about Tannehill. Can they keep Derrick Henry fit? Um, they've got a brand new wide receiver room, basically. Obviously, losing AJ Brown uh, and Julio Jones. They've obviously brought in Traylon Burks in the draft and Robert Woods. Um, I, I like the pickup of Austin Hooper, um, but I think it's going to be really tough for them to retain the division um, with the Colts there. Uh, and I, I, that's reflect really by by Vegas putting their over under at nine and a half, considering they're a team that won twelve games last season. Mm. That's pretty. That's pretty rough. Um, I get where you're coming from. I, I watched the Titans. Uh, watched a few of their games last year. I'll give them props for the fact that when Derrick Henry went down, I think everyone wrote them off. I think everybody thought their entire offense ran through Derrick Henry, and and rightly so. I, th- I think we we all did. I, I will include myself in that group who thought the Titans have just got no chance. But you know what? They kept on winning games. They kept on winning, and the that running game, oh, not as effective, but not uh, as ineffective that you would notice. Do Do you know what I mean by that? It, it mm-hmm. was a case of that. They were they they were not as good without Derrick Henry, but it, the drop off was nowhere near as significant as you would think. Um, when the the first uh, Henry played the first seven games, I think it was, and in those seven games, the, the like the the rush yard totals for for the uh, Titans were you know eighty six yards, two hundred twelve, one hundred eighty, one seven seven, one eight four, one four six, and one zero three. As a lot. He then gets injured. Um, but, as I say, they did lose some, but, you know, they had 93, 103, 270 against the Patriots, 201 against the Steelers, 198 against the Dolphins, couple of blips, 69 against the Rams, 66 against the Saints, uh, 90 against the 49ers. So, they, they did lose a bit of effectiveness in the running game, but it wasn't drastic. And I get where you're coming from with Tannehill. Tannehill may be the quarterback. It, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this without it sounding like I'm ragging on Ryan Tannehill because I like Ryan Tannehill, but I think a ceiling might be the lowest of all yeah, the quarterbacks. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. I don't think anyone is thinking, uh, it doesn't matter if we're down by 20 in the fourth quarter, we've got Ryan Tannehill. And and it's I think that's a shame. They've got a good defense. And you know they—they, they, I mean, they lost in the divisional playoffs to Cincinnati. Um, they lost that game by three points. They could easily have been in the AFC Championship game. It wasn't for that kicker. If it wasn't for that kicker, how many times have we said that? Um, so yeah, I get where you come from, the Titans. I think the problem I have with the Titans is I don't see how they can improve because it's. It stops at the quarterback, as far as I'm concerned. It really does. Uh, and it sounds like a ridiculous thing to say about a team that's so run-heavy, so centred around the running game. But I, I don't think that there's, they get enough from the passing game to complement the run, and therefore I fail to see how they can improve. And I've got, I've got them winning nine games this year. Uh, I could be completely wrong. They'll surprise everyone. I've got them winning nine games this year. Uh, Dave, what do you reckon of the Titans? 
think it's good. I, I, I can't say I disagree with anything that either of you have said. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're they all thinking along the, the same lines. I think they will win around nine or ten games. I, I see uh, right up until what you were saying there, Ian, about um, you know, even though Derrick Henry went down, um, and you know they still racked up some numbers in some of these uh, later games in the season. Um, they there was they still won those games. Uh, so all those games that you said they had blips in the second half of the season, they still won those games, which is, you know, that that's like a kind of uh, a team that smells of fight and, uh, you know, showing heart and still well-organized. I think from what I've seen the last couple of years, I worry that uh, they don't have a plan B when it comes to the offense. They Obviously, we know that their defense is really good. I mean, they got... Um, was it set? They were ranked second uh, for rushing defense in the entire league last season. Uh, they were fifth in rushing offense as well. But then you look at the pass game; they were twenty fourth in passing offense uh, for yards and twenty fifth in passing defense for yards. So, you know, they maybe they need to just kind of um, change up the passing game a bit. Maybe that's what they were hoping to achieve with um, AJ Brown uh, being. Uh, traded basically and you know getting a whole new uh, basically a new start and i i think Tannehill is a he's he's like the kirk cousins of the of the afc See, I, I, I would I, say i don't think, I think he, he would love i think he would love to be the kirk cousins yeah wages wise maybe he works as the other's agent i i don't think he's as good as kirk cousins i really don't no. i think Tannehill is the, the most he's like the or maybe the Jimmy He's G. Andy Dalton. It's, oh. all, it's almost like Andy Dalton 2.0. It's so just vanilla. There's nothing there that excites <laughs> you at all. I mean, I spoke about, you know, you're talking about the games where they had blips in the running game and, and they won some of those games. Yeah, but in, in like the game against New England, they rushed for 270 yards in that game. 270 mm. yards. And they lost by 23 points. I mean, how? I'll tell you how. Because they threw for 85 and they turned it over four times. That's how you lose by 23 points. And any other team, if you said, I'll give you 270 rushing yards in this game, they'd be like, thank you very much. We'll take that. Yeah, not if you're down by 23 points. (laughs) You're going to lose 36 13 they lost that game to the Patriots. And one other thing as well, though, that um, last last season, Ryan Tannehill was sacked 47 times compared to in 2020 when he was sacked just 24 times. So that's a dub- That's double what it was in 2020 that he was sacked last season. So yeah, and he did. He made 10 fumbles as well uh, last season compared that's to a, six that's in a 2020. Lot. That's a lot. lot If his name was Daniel Jones, everyone would be all over that. Do do you know what? (laughs) You're absolutely right. See if you had those numbers playing for the Giants or the Jets or the Texans or the Jaguars, you would be. Everyone would be all over him saying he's absolute garbage, he's rubbish, and he shouldn't be in the league. That's what people would say about Ryan Tannehill. He also, I think it was uh, 89.6 passing racing as well, so uh, well below average uh for you know the for the sort of top quarterbacks with the top teams but i i i agree with everything that you were saying as well i i think Tannehill is a bit of a weak link but the problem is do you go out and replace him um well, because they well, might I, have I already mean, done that well malik willis 
Well, uh, I, I mean, from what, I, what I've seen, I think Malik went at the right stage of the draft. I, I mean, we we all questioned whether any quarterbacks were going to go in the first round. And in, in the end, this, the only starter is going to be Kenny Pickett, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think Malik Willis is not the... Um, I, I don't think he's an NFL starter. He's maybe got the potential to be an NFL starting quarterback, but nothing from what I've seen just yet uh, really encourages me. Uh, the only other maybe thing, it's you know just put out there, would Baker or Jimmy G be options for them? Not entirely out of you know out of the realms of possibility, especially for Jimmy G, who you know he fitted into that Shanahan offense so well, which is like a run, you know focused on the run really and. He did well, just not quite as good as the Rams, but he did well. Uh, but before we move on from the Titans, there is something about last year because I, I, I know you know as you've said yourself, Jake, we're looking forward to this year. We're not; it's not last year. But there was something that I noticed when I was looking through last year's results for the 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 uh, Titans, and they had the strangest stretch of wins and losses I think I've ever seen. Uh, in week four, they lost to the New York Jets. Okay, now as you do, that's pretty impressive. Okay, uh, <laughs> they beat the Jaguars. That's, that, you know, that's, that's just a gimme. You know, everyone is beating the Jaguars. They beat the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Indianapolis Colts, the Los Angeles Rams, the New Orleans Saints, and then they lost. I see why to, you brought this up. And then yeah, they lost to the. Uh, no, I, I know where this is no, going. No, then they lost to the Houston Texans. I mean, of all those games, you'd think, what's the gimmies? Well, the Jets, the Texans, the Jaguars. They lost two of those games. All the other games against... against the Jets and the Texans. I I, I know. And you're thinking, hang on a second. You, you, You beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Colts, the Saints, and then you lose to the Jets and the Texans. And, and that lost to the Texans, that was a home. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's was, yeah. that's poor. That's really poor. And when they did beat the Texans in Week 18, it was by three points. You, you've got to wonder sometimes. You think, how in good... So when you, you look at the record, you know, 12-5 and five was the record last year in the, the, the regular season. And then you compare that to all the other teams in the NFL, and you think, well, where did... Where did in the AFC, sorry. Well, what seed were the Tennessee Titans last year? And remember... Number one, well, they were the they were the one seed yeah. in the AFC, and they lost to the Jets and the Texans. I you're like, oh, hang on. There, there's times where a record lies. Now you can look at all those wins and go, well, they beat Buffalo, they beat Kansas City, they beat the Rams, they beat the Saints. You know, they beat yeah. But look at the teams they were losing to, and sometimes that tells you more than the wins against the teams that you might perhaps should be losing to. Now that you know what, that's my opinion. I could be talking garbage. The, the the thing as well, going into that game, I think were the Texans, uh, the Texans, uh, the Titans, were the Titans, the Titans were eight and two, and uh, the Texans were one and eight going yes. into that game. And in, in the previous, I think it was in the te- Texans' previous seven games, they had only scored double digits twice. That's absolutely right. And that's just, I, I, it's it's almost embarrassing. That, that that happened. But it, it is it, embarrassing. It, See, losses like that, teams should be embarrassed by. 
Yeah. And, and, and here we are talking, sorry, Dave, I don't, don't mean right. to talk no, over you. But here we are, we're talking about a team that was the number one seed in the AFC. And see yeah. when they went into the playoffs, I was like, they're not going to do anything. I they're not going to do anything. Yeah, it, I, thought, it, I think we all thought that. It's It's been like, every, you know, the last 20 years for the Dallas Cowboys. They're, they're the least <laughs> scary true. division winners. Yeah. And and the Titans were that last year, I thought. Because when you looked at the other teams, you know, you looked at Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City, just, just in the AFC. Mm-hmm. And you would have said all those teams will be Tennessee. And they went up against Cincinnati and he lost. There you are. I, I don't think anyone was shocked by it. And that's what I'm getting at with the Titans. But I think more people were shocked with the fact that they were the number one seed more than anything else. I don't um, think Mike Vrabel just doesn't have a plan B for his offenses. I, I just, I, I think, you know, obviously he's committed to the run, but then when they need to switch things up, just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. You know, they, they just can't do it. They, they don't have that plan B. So if a team nails them on the run, it doesn't look good for the outcome of the game for the Titans. So um, I do, it's, you know, we, we, what was it? What, one or two weeks ago, we said about the rankings uh, of the head coaches, how high was Mike Rabel on that? But you know, I'm I'm not I'm not convinced at all. I mean, to, never mind about uh, Cliff Kingsbury, but Mike Rabel was almost just as criminal. But uh, I I I thought uh, I I do think from the games that I saw, I saw them quite a lot last season. Actually, they, they're on they they're on the telly quite a lot here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought Mike, he just doesn't really have a plan B. And then when he by the time he thinks, oh, we've got to change it up, it's it's almost hail mary territory. So you know, it's. I'm not convinced about Mike Vrabel, but I don't see. I don't think the tech, the Titans have, um, have made the changes that they really needed to to address these issues uh, on on offense in particular. I think they had a ma- magnificent defense, um, but you know, uh, the QB position very important, not been changed, uh, and they're really rolling the dice with the wide receiver room completely. Yeah. Uh, Jake, do you have anything to add to the Titans? No, I think we're covered at all with the Titans now. Well, let's uh, move on uh, to one of the more polarizing teams last year. And that's the Indianapolis Colts. Last year, they finished second place uh, with a 9-8 and eight record. They, of course, had Jonathan Taylor, who had an outstanding season. And for a good stretch there, the Indianapolis Colts looked like they could beat absolutely anyone. And then they had a chance to get into the playoffs in week 18, and they managed to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars by three scores. Um, so, Dave, I'm going to hand over to you first. The Indianapolis oh. Colts, what are you looking at this year going forward? I mean, we've just uh, said about, you know, yin and yang with the, the Titans season. I think the Colts basically just laughed at them <laughs> in that case because what the Tit- what the Colts did last season was... I mean, it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, they, they, they had seven pro bowlers last season and they had such a good team. But that last game, right, just, it, it basically null and voided their entire season, obviously because it didn't, they didn't get into the playoffs. But at the same time, the, some of the victories that they did have were pretty good. Um, you know, they, they beat the Bills and it wasn't just, I remember watching that game and thinking, wow, this is just unreal. They hammered the Buffalo Bills. Um, they did yeah. that, uh, that was in Buffalo wasn't it that was there it, it was 41-15 that's right in yeah. week I, 11 I and uh, that was one of the that was one of the games where Jonathan Taylor just went off now they started mm-hmm. the season 1-4 and four. they actually lost mm-hmm. their first three games and then something happened 
and Jonathan Taylor just exploded. He absolutely exploded, and they were running over everyone, uh, including you know the the aforementioned Buffalo Bills. There, they just they they looked dynamite, and then it started to tail off a bit. And in the last, I mean, they actually lost the last two games. They, they lost to the Raiders by three points in week seventeen. But all they had to do is beat the Jaguars in week eighteen, and they were in the playoffs, and they couldn't do that. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, you're absolutely right there, Dave. I think the only other thing I was going to add as well was that uh, I'm actually, for once in my life, I'm going to come to the defense of Carson Wentz and say it wasn't all his fault from the season. Because, ah, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> you're mean, wrong. Every single game, they had double-figure points scored. Every single game. But the defense did not hold up a lot as well. So I think there was some things that needed yeah, adjusting. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had yeah, double points position. scored. <laughs> But I'll, yeah. let me give you some of their passing yards totals for the games. 178, 147, 168, 106, 151, 140, 139, 49. Yikes. Those are passing yards. In 2021, where every other quarterback is slinging it for 4,500 yards, even on bad teams. No, this was... On the, this was all on Carson Wentz, in my opinion. All, oh, oh. I didn't know it was because they were. He was so anemic, and the the weird thing is, because when I watched the games, I was like, "Oh my goodness, Carson Wentz is absolute garbage." Mm-hmm. But then you look at the stats. You look at his purely his stats. He went three and a half thousand yards. 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, rating of 94.6. And you think, that's that's pretty good. There, there's many teams who take that from their quarterback. Uh-huh. But no, <laughs> he had his, his yards per attempt was 6.9. That's really poor. 6.9 yards per attempt is awful. 209 Point six yards per game. That's I, a half to most quarterbacks. It, it yeah, is. And yeah. the thing is, when you've got the best offensive line in the entire NFL, and the, um, and the best... Arguably the running back. Yeah, and the best, definitely the most effective running game in the entire NFL, those percentages... He only had 62.4 completion percentage. His completion percentage should have been through the roof. Because he didn't need to go deep. At all. His completion percentage should have been in the mid-70s. It was ridiculous. All he had to do was throw screen passes to Jonathan Taylor the entire season. And just a little random stat as well, is that in the six years that Carson Wentz has been in the league, that was his joint third highest completion percentage. Like, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about Carson Wentz. Is, yeah, he in the, in the time in the league, he's averaged 62.6% of complete uh, passes completed his highest being 69.6 when he only played 11 games in his third year for, for philly and yeah uh, let's just say the last is in 2020 when he only played 12 games uh and i think philly well his record when he was starter at philly was three eight and one uh he only had made 57.4 percent of his of his throws so i mean right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. It's just like, so I mean, you're talking about a team that played the Jaguars twice and the Texans twice, 
right? Now, don't get, uh-huh. see, against the Texans. He went for 388 and 389. Not bad. That's pretty good. Nearly 400 uh-huh. yards per game. But, like, against the, the Jaguars, he was 200. Uh, he went for 139, sorry. 139 um, against a Jaguars defense that had allowed so many yards and touchdowns through the year. Do you know what? I'm actually lying about the the numbers for the Texans. That was total offense. He went 1-5-1 against the Texans. <laughs> it was 2-3-8 rushing. Wow. I, it just, Carson Wentz was, it, it was, it was anemic watching him play. You're like, I, I'm, I'm actually feeling weak watching this because it was just so bad. And what really gets me is that, personally, I think Frank Reich is an excellent coach and an excellent quarterback coach. I firmly believe that. But I, I don't know. It's you know we're only we're only four, I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry right <laughs> we're only four seasons removed from Carson Wentz looking like a lock for MVP before he got injured. Mm-hmm. We're only four years from that. What happened to this man? You know I don't know. Sorry, and you know I'm I'm talking over you, Jake. I haven't no. even got to you yet. <laughs> yeah, Good luck. I, sorry. I, I, I'll add my one last piece with Carson okay. Wentz, uh, just to correct myself. In the game that he that the Colts, you know, and basically Jonathan Taylor annihilated the Bills, forty-one uh, fifteen. Carson Wentz threw for eleven from twenty for one hundred and six yards and one touchdown. There you so go. So there, there you go. There, I'll, I've just kind of you know nullified my own point. I, I, Carson Wentz had to go, and he couldn't go to a more fitting organization than the Red acted. So, um, <laughs> yes, I, I. I I think their defense maybe had some answers as well, but Carson Wentz had no answers whatsoever. Yeah, but before we hand this over to you, Jake, and I know you're sitting there patiently waiting your turn, um, I honestly believe the Colts could make the biggest leap this year because I think the upgrade of Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz is almost equivalent, almost, just, you know, just putting that out there, almost equivalent to Russell Wilson going to Denver. I think the upgrade at the quarterback position is massive in Indianapolis. And they didn't really lose anyone. Yep. They could be one of the best teams in the NFL this year. I absolutely believe it. Uh, sorry, Jake. <laughs> You've been waiting for ages. He's probably falling asleep, Dave. Um, Jake, give us your thoughts. He's not you. Don't worry about it. He's <laughs> oh, not you. Shots <laughs> fired again. Good Lord. Um, Jake, give us your opinion on the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, well, I'm hoping the defense this year will be a lot better with the um, additions of Stefan Gilmore, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Um, they do have the six easiest schedule based on the win percentage from last year. A very late buy, kind of polar opposite to the Titans. They, their buy is in week 14. Uh, they start with, a, a, well, you, know, you would say nice and easy, but the AOC South seemed to eat itself. But they start with the Texans and the Jaguars both away. Uh, and the majority of their tough games, such as the Chiefs and the Chargers, come at home, which is, you would think, a an advantage. My my biggest concern with the, the Colts is the, the wide receiver room. Um, only Pittman Jr., really. Uh, they've got Alex Pierce they drafted, I believe. Um, obviously, a, a great running game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. They've got uh, Philip Lindsay they've signed. Uh, they've obviously got the, the third down running back in Naheem Hines, who's fantastic. They would be my, my pick for the division just because their schedule, you know, like I say, their, their toughest games coming at home uh, and 
just some of the upgrades, you know, Matt Ryan, Stefan Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe, I mean, they're, they're proven stars, you know, you know what you're getting. Absolutely. Well said, Jake. Do you know what, Dave? It actually, Worth the wait. It actually sounds like Jake is the only one who knows what he's talking about in this podcast sometimes. Wow, did you just drag me down to your level? Uh, I appreciate that. To Thank my you. level. Yeah. I, I, cannot, I cannot lift you that high, mate. It's not possible. <gasps> right, so. <laughs> Shot fired. Love you really, mate. Okay, uh-huh. so um, we are going to move on and we come to the Houston Texans. Last season, the Houston Texans finished 4-13. and 13. Um, Let's not kid ourselves. They had a rough year last year. They really did. But considering their circumstances, I think they did pretty well. Tyrod Taylor uh, started the season for them. Unfortunately, he got injured again. Um, Sorry about that, Tyrod. And then Davis Mills came in at quarterback. Um, He he had a pretty rough time of it as well. But his numbers, I think, were a lot better than people thought they were going to get from him. Uh, he completed nearly 67% of his passes, 2,600 yards, 16 touchdowns. He did have 10 interceptions. Um, he was sacked 31 times, which is, which is quite a lot, uh, considering the fact that he only played in, in 13 games. He only started 11 of them. But da- I think Davis Mills did well, and the Houston Texans obviously got rid, their tra- <laughs> got rid of, my goodness, maybe that is the right term. They traded Deshaun Watson, um, to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they got a whole bunch of picks for that. And going forward, let's have a wee look and see what's going to happen with the Texans. Jake, I'm going to hand it over to you first. What do you think of the Houston Texans? What do you think is going to happen this year? Well, I'll start with the positives. And that's like you say with Davis Matt, I think he went under the radar in terms of how, you know, how great he did and kind of, you know, what he inherited. Um, I would say, I, I was going to phrase it in terms of I'm not sure what the Houston Texans did to deserve this, but I do because Deshaun Watson. Um, but based on this year's win, project, uh, win projections, they have the fifth hardest schedule, which you would think a team who struggled as much as the Texans and come in third in the division, they would get a, a favorable schedule, but apparently mm. not. Um, two of their most winnable games, and there's... Not many of them, um, but the winnable games that I could kind of find, the Giants and the Bears, are both away. Um, and I do kind of take those into account. I'm not sure if other people do, but home and away, you want to, you know, especially yeah. if you're the Texans, you want to get a few wins on the board. You'd want to play winnable games at home and kind of get, get them yeah, under your I, belt. I, I'm not sure if there are any teams who have a better record away than they do at home. It's It's... The the distances some of these teams are travelling are huge. It's not like, you know, football in the UK. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not like that. If, uh, <laughs> if uh, there, it's more about crowd atmosphere more than anything else, isn't it? Uh-huh. I mean, if you think, you know, again, we, we mentioned the other week there, you know, Jake's an Everton man. Our travels are Liverpool. It's it's literally across the river. It, it's across the park, you can see them. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, so... Um, if you know if you throw a ball far enough, you might be able to hit the other stadium. It's it's just um, in in the states, some of the distances these teams travel are huge, thousands of miles within their own division. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The USA is a big place, uh, so you, you're absolutely right, Jake. I think uh, they, they would want these gamers at home. I think they they brought in Marlon Mack, Jerry Hughes, Stephen Nelson. Obviously, with the draft, they brought in Derek Stingley, uh, Kenyon Green, I think the wide receiver, I think it is, John Metry. 
They're they're definitely a team that I think can improve. I don't know if they'll improve in terms of wins, um, but I think they're definitely. I, I hope anyway that they give Lovey Smith and the kind of the entire kind of coaching staff there at the moment gives them a chance because they are working with with scraps. Um, so I think it would be good for these players who are coming through um, if they can have a bit of consistency and hopefully they can just take a, a step in the right direction. But such a tough schedule and you know a, a pretty mediocre roster. It's it, I think it's going to be another long season. I think you're probably right. And um, looking at, I mean, we we spoke about the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts with that uh, week eighteen. Uh, sorry, yes, the week eighteen loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Texans may have actually had one of the biggest upsets of the entire year last year when the uh, now. Keep in mind, their offense was very poor. They, they really couldn't get much done at all. Some of the scores uh, against Buffalo, they lost 40 to nothing, 31 to 3 to the Colts, 31 to 5 to the Cardinals, 31 to nothing to the Colts, 23 7 to the Charger, the 49ers. And then somehow in week 16 against the Los Angeles Chargers, they won 41 to 29. And you think, how in the world, in the wide, wide world of sports, did that happen? Where did those 41 points come from? Just incredible. Um, I, I think the Texans do have talent. I just, it's it's going to be so hard to predict what they do this year. Uh, Dave, what's what's your opinion on the, on the Texans? I think one of the things that they really need to improve on from last season is their run game. I, I mean, let Last from, from when I was looking into the Texans last season, their biggest rusher was Rex Burkhead for four four hundred and twenty seven yards, oh, and three cool. rushing touchdowns for for Rex Burkhead. Now, you know we 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 can we can talk about uh, all the individuals and things like that, but collectively as a team, they they were a bit of a shambles. I, I mean, it, you know, if you look at the stats in passing offense, rushing offense, passing defense, rushing defense. They were down the bottom in every single category, and that that just it's not good enough. Uh, rushing, especially. I mean, you know, we we always talk about we, it's it's a big scoring league now. There's a lot of emphasis on the quarter, or even more probably than ever, emphasis on the quarterback and how important it is to be able to throw the ball. But if you don't have a run game, it's really hard to set that up for the pass game as well. I mean, you, the 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 defense are going to know what's coming each and every time, and they're going to be able to stop you. So. Um, I, 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 again, I do worry. I, I think, you know, obviously they had a decent enough draft, but maybe they could have gone a bit better. I, I have, a, I have faith in Lovey Smith's ability though, you know, but it just, I think me and Jake were talking about it off air. He needs time. That organization is not just, they're not going to kick on this season. It'll be the, I mean, we, I was talking to Jake as well about the over under. Texans were up four and a half to five this year. I, I don't see them even getting that. I, I think this is going to be, you know, they're going to be maybe a three, two, three win team again this season. And I, I, from what I can see, I think they're probably going to struggle to get that as well. So I think they're a couple years off being anywhere near to even think about a playoff position. So unless, unless it's a 32 team playoff <laughs> at the end of the season, they might have a chance then. Uh, just out of sympathy, but uh, no, I, I, I really worry for the Texans this year. So um, we, I think we've got a Texans fan in our office, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I worry for him and for the entire uh, Texans fan base. Yeah, 
you talk about the rushing game there. Just a, a couple of quick stats for you. Last season, um, 14 times out of the 17 games, they didn't crack 100 yards rushing. The team. It's just not good enough, is you it? Know? And, and, and five times, sorry, four times, they didn't even get to 50. Now, mm-hmm. you're talking about a young quarterback, the Davis Mills. You're, you're right. It's a quarterback-centric league, but the quarterback's, a young quarterback's best friend is his running game. And it was non-existent. They could do nothing. I I hope you're right. I like Lovey Smith. And I think he'll improve the defense. I'm just not convinced he'll improve the offense. Let's not forget this is a man who coached Rex Grossman to a Super Bowl. So props there, Lovey. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, although he did have Devin Hester on his team. So that was pretty good. Uh, but that was that was all about the defense, and maybe he can do it again. Maybe he can take a team that's just not very good offensively, but just build up a a, a mighty defense and just carry it possibly to the playoffs. I don't see it happening this year, but maybe in a two or three years time, it's a possibility. I just think that the curse of the Texans still runs deep. I really believe that, and I think it's just. I think it's going to take them another few years to completely recover from the entire Bill O'Brien fiasco, uh, let yeah. alone the, the, the Deshaun Watson um, Or DeAndre Hopkins saga. as well. Well, I think, uh, was that part of Bill O'Brien? Well, p- pretty well, much. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. it was, you know. Yeah. Uh, Bill O'Brien decimated that team. He absolutely yeah. decimated one of the most talented young rosters in the NFL at the time. Mm-hmm. And he killed it stone dead. It's just, if you look at some of the talent that they had sort of five years ago, four years ago on that team, and then you look at what they've got now, you think, it, you know, I don't want to say he intentionally sabotaged the team, but some of the trades that were made, you look at it and say, how is that even possible? In which universe does that make sense as a, to look to improve your team? Because let's not forget, the Laramie Tunzel trade was to replace a guy that he'd let go, whose name I've forgotten. Wayne Brown. Thank you very much. He went to the Seahawks, who was every bit as good as Laramie Tunzel. Every bit as good. There was no, there was no metric that you look at that said that Laramie Tunzel was much better than this guy. But they, they got rid of Brown and then gave up, what was it? Was it two first rounds? Like two firsts, possibly more. And then you think, oh, well, you know, at least we've got, at the time, arguably the best young quarterback and receiver combo in the entire NFL. Well, let's, let's sort that out. Let's get rid of the receiver. And, and what will we get for DeAndre Hopkins, considering the Bills just gave up two first rounders for Stefan Diggs? Oh, I don't know. A third and a fifth, I think it was. What? I mean, come on. What are you doing? That's absolutely insane. And I don't know a single person. I don't I don't know one person who thought that's a good trade. I mean, what was it? They 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 gave up um if memory serves, DeAndre Hopkins and a fifth rounder for like a third rounder and David Johnson's massive salary. Is that right? I, I could have those 
picks. Yep, David Johnson, who's no longer with the team. Of course he's no longer with the team. He was already a broken man. Another player who, you know, as we spoke about earlier, just plagued with injuries. He had like one good year and then he was plagued with injuries. That's, That's through no fault of his. I'm not having a go at David Johnson. But for someone to take on that huge contract that he had and you're giving away, arguably... At the time, a top three receiver in the NFL. And the argument could be made he was the best receiver in the NFL. You could have said that. And a lot of people would have disagreed with you, but a lot of people would have agreed with you. DeAndre Hopkins was sensational. Absolutely sensational. I'm I'm just, I still can't, that that annoys me. I'm not a Texans fan, but to see a, a team get absolutely annihilated from the inside out, this is coming from the inside. And you just, you look at it and it just smells kind of funky to me. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Sorry, guys, I'm ranting again. I do apologize. <laughs> all right. I think the only thing, I, I, the only other thing I would add, um, one positive though, is that Brandon Cooks was, uh, he did break a thousand yards for the season, um, but he also equated to about 39% of the yards at Davis Mill uh, was able to gain. So uh, they had basically one big target and... That was pretty much it for the passing game. So they, they've got a lot of work to do. Makes sense that they paid him thirty-nine million then. A yeah. percent yes. per million. For how you <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a random stat for you. Like, <laughs> Cooks received million. Uh, a I million mean, percent. I, oh god. That you know, God love the Texans and any Texans fans who might be listening. But you, your franchise angers me so much because there's been so much wasted talent and wasted ability from that franchise that it's almost I. Oh my goodness! No wonder Brett Coleman loses his mind. Sometimes when you watch his videos on YouTube, being a Texans fan, that's rough. That's rough. It's got to be. Um, does anyone else have anything to add to the Texans before we move on? No, no it's worries. Good luck this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely good luck to the Texans. I, I want them to do well. I do. I just, I just don't think they will. I feel bad for the Texans and their fans. Um, okay, well, let's move on to the final team uh, in the AFC South, which is, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What can we say? Last year was a poop show. Can we say that? I think so. Uh, from start to finish. Um, they finished with the lowest points differential in the entire league, minus 204 points. They scored uh, 253 on offense. And allowed four, five, seven. Just pathetic in every stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, they got the number one overall pick in uh, Trevor Lawrence, the highest, the, the most hyped prospect coming out of college since Andrew Luck, uh, possibly even before, possibly Peyton Manning. Um, he was just considered to be the savior in Jacksonville. They got Urban Meyer in. Uh, you know, long-time uh, college coach, and it almost seemed like from day one that franchise just started to fall apart. We're not going to get into too much of the Urban Meyer stuff. Um, kicking his kicker, that was that was nice. Telling him to make his um, effing kicks, I think it was. And um, that was uh, Josh Lambeau, wasn't it? I think it was Josh Lambeau. He was uh, Urban Meyer kicked him on a practice field while he was stretching. I vaguely remember this. So, yeah. um, and then he was, 
you know, not flying home with the team and he was uh, seen in a a club or a, a diner, I think it was. Yes. With, with uh, a, a young lady. Beha- behaving inappropriately. Behaving inappropriately with Very a young lady. Uh, and, and I think that was just, it, it seemed like every week something else was happening with the Jaguars last year. It was a poop show. It really was. They finished 3-14, and 14, bottom of the the division, ended up with the first first pick in the draft again. So they managed to get two first, first overall picks back-to-back. Back. Um, let's look at this season. Urban Meyer is no longer there. The Jaguars have a new head coach. They've got a, hopefully a whole new philosophy. Let's see if anything happens. Trevor Lawrence hopefully can make a, a comeback. So hopefully he's in this. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't trust them. Just in the same way that, you know, I said, don't trust the Texans. I don't trust the Jaguars to do pretty much anything right. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. So Jake, I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, what are we looking for this year from them? Well, as your regular um, positive Jags fan, I'd like to always <laughs> believe in them. Uh, they always prove me wrong, but I will put a positive spin on them. Obviously, Doug Peterson, a uh, competent coach, um, certainly an upgrade. Um, they spent two first-round picks on their defense. They hoped to have a potential franchise uh, callback in Lawrence. They spent a lot of money in, in free agency. There have been a lot of turnover, lots of ins and outs. Uh, based on the 2021 win percentage, they have the seventh easiest schedule. Uh, a nice week 11 bye. Uh, they get to play on the road against Washington, Lions, and the Jets. They've got home games against the Giants. They don't have the toughest division in the world. Um They've got, obviously, a lot of uh, new weapons, uh, some offensive line support, and I'm going to speak about a wide receiver. But it's not the wide receiver you think. <laughs> Is it not? Not right? the wide receiver Because I was going to say, oh, no, we can't keep laying it onto the poor guy. No, uh, friend I, of the podcast. So friend I, of the podcast. Talk to us. I said on Twitter I would be positive about the Jags to, to a Jags fan, and I'm a man of my word. So I wanted to highlight Zay Jones. And you know who loves Zay Jones? Derek Carr. Um, from when they were together at the Raiders. He said he's the hardest worker. Um, he absolutely loved him. He was so, This was after the Monday night football uh, game against Baltimore. I think Zay Jones had the walk-off touchdown. And Derek Carr was being interviewed because, you know, he's the quarterback and they were talking about Derek Carr and, you know, all these amazing players. And he went out of his way to say, you know, we need to talk about Zay Jones. And he's like, I love this guy, hardest worker. I ask him to, to throw, he turns up at 6am, you know, he's in the build and he's he's ready to learn. So, Zay Jones, let's talk about positive wide receivers. So, I I'll, might be one of those players I look at in the, the late rounds of the Fantasy League. Yeah, the Jaguars are one of those teams I like. I, I like the Jaguars and I want them to do well. I just I, I just find it, as you said, Jake, that is, they continue to disappoint. And it's this such is the year. Do you know what? They're not going to be the number one pick. I will put money on it. They will not be the number one pick. You might be absolutely right with that, Jake. You might be absolutely right. Uh, Dave, let's hand it over to you. Jacksonville Jaguars, what do you reckon? Uh, I, don't worry, I'll bring it down. Don't worry, Jake, I've got you. Uh, I'll, I'll be the devil uh, to this one. Um, the only positive that I can really think from last season 
is that the, of the games that they actually did win. So first game that they won was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London uh, when you know they beat the Dolphins 23 to 20. So that brought them up to 1-5. and five. Now, three weeks later, they then beat the Bills. And they, it may have been not the highest scoring game, not the best game for the neutral, beating the Bills nine points to six. But, um, you know, Josh Allen, one of the one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the league, could not get a touchdown against them. And, you know, they, they may have gone on a, I think it was seven or eight game losing streak after that. But, you know, we, we'll focus on the positives for the next 10 seconds. Uh, they also did stop the Colts getting into the playoffs, which... I think we've already alluded to that was borderline hilarious. It's just embarrassingly hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Jack they've got to do better this season. I, I mean, it's it couldn't get much worse. I, they 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 can't be much worse than they were last season. I think Trevor Lawrence has to have a good year. I think he had a pretty poor year. Obviously, he had no protection, no weapons. Can't put all the blame on Trevor Lawrence. Um, the only thing that does worry me is that you know he. He had kind of uh, completion percentages that were worse than Carson Wentz last year. So, um, yeah, I think it was a tough introduction. Uh, they they had a good draft, I think. Obviously, they had a, you know they invested heavily in their defense, but I think they need some protection for Trevor Lawrence. Well, it's a wait and see if they have got that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of predicting the Jaguars to have a five or six win season, uh, and just they're they're, they're I was going to say they're in rebuild mode. They've been in rebuild mode for quite a while now. So, um, you know, they've got Doug Peterson. A lot of respect for Doug Peterson. I think that's a, that's a huge step up in the right direction anyway. But uh, I think they need to focus less on uh, playing games in London so much or, you know, um, with, the, with the rumors for years that they were look, maybe looking to move to London. Um, I think they, they need to focus on the actual team first. Uh, before you know the marketing side of things yeah i know where you're coming from with that it's almost like a huge distraction mm-hmm. for, for the entire team um, i think that's what happened with the head coach as well um you know with urban meyer everything there was always some sort of distraction at some point during the season for the jaggers and it just didn't get better at all and their season went from bad to worse week in week out right up until the colts on the last the last week so yeah, there's a lot of work to to be done in Jacksonville. Definitely. Um, as I said before, I, I like the Jaguars. I want them to do well. But I I think they're going to be a, a couple of years. I, I do yeah. believe that, that Trevor Lawrence is or can be, um, I don't want to say the saviour of the franchise. Um, a franchise quarterback. I, I, he's definitely a franchise quarterback. I, I don't think there's any doubt in that. I think he's got the ability. Um, I think it's just going to take a year or two to get. Let's 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 not forget. I mean, we we are so used to rookie quarterbacks coming in and just exploding. Um, and even even like second year quarterback Patrick Mahomes, but essentially that was his first year. You know, he didn't start until till week seventeen uh, of the year before. Uh, but we got you know guys like Justin Herbert and Deshaun Watson. We're so used to seeing that this instant success uh-huh. that you ex- you almost come to expect it now. And if a player doesn't, if a quarterback, a young quarterback doesn't immediately look like the real deal, 
then oh he's a bust you can't do that that's that's a ridiculous thing to see but it is, it is the way we've almost been conditioned now to look at these quarterbacks and i think it's completely unfair because i think also that trevor lawrence was probably under more pressure as a rookie quarterback than any quarterback back has been since andrew luck in 2012 yeah, I would agree with that. Being, yeah. you know, being looked at as the savior of the franchise. I mean, this uh, in twenty eleven, you know, for the Colts it was suck for luck, and then last year, not last year, sorry, the year before it was tank for Trevor. And I remember, you know, going back to Rich Eisen again. He was talking about it on his show. He was he was livid that the New York Jets won their final game or the final two games of the season because they were in pole position for the first pick, and he couldn't wait. For the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence, like, yeah, it's fine. Just lose the last two games. No Jets fan wants you to win the last two games. You've already lost whatever it was, you know, 12 games. Just just yes. go 2-14. and 14. We don't care. But the Jets won the final two games and the Jaguars got the, the pick. They got Trevor Lawrence. And Jets fans were incensed by this. Now... You look at the players who are on the Jets at the time, they're like, they don't want to lose. They, they, they don't. Mm-hmm. You, you think the, the inside linebacker for the Jets cares whether or not they get Trevor Lawrence next year? He wants to win. You think the, the, the quarterback who's throwing passes for the Jets in the final week of the season cares if Trevor Lawrence comes in? He's I don't care. I'd rather be here. Well, maybe not at the Jets. I'm just saying, but you know, you know what I mean. It's yeah. you're just ah. yeah. They want to do their. It, it's their own pride. You know, they they want to they want to play with pride. They want they still want to give their best. That's the you know it's it's the the situation for the franchise would have been that it would have been better for them to lose those games and get Trevor Lawrence. But uh, yes, you know, the, the, these players are they. They they are part of a team, obviously, but they are individuals and do have some pride. So that's the that's pretty much you know they wanted to give their best uh, for the team, but uh, obviously shoot, you know not necessarily helping the team uh, despite winning the game. So yeah, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's us covered the AFC South. Jake, did you have anything you wanted to add about the Jacksonville Jaguars? No, just I'm all aboard the train. Quite right. So you should be. It's good to be on board the train. Into the Atlantic at this point. Into <laughs> London. Although I will be going to London, but not not see the Jags. Um, yeah. I will be hoping to go and see the Jags in London. I'm hoping to go and see my Broncos uh, take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. That should be fun. That should be real fun. For you, give us yeah. a first-hand account of of Trevor Lawrence. Then. Yeah, I will. I will be able to see. Trevor Lawrence in the flesh doing his thing. I hope he's rubbish that day, but I hope he's great every other day. Really do. Really do. Hope he's told me this well. Good for you, Lawrence. Uh, Trevor, I should say. Calling him Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Um, right, gentlemen, um, we've just about come to the end of our show, but we do have one final segment to do, uh, which is, of course, Random Stats. Who would like to start us off with a random stat this week? Dave, how about you? Do you fancy it? Yeah, crack on. Let's go for it. Go for okay. It. So I'm going to call my random stat the Ian stat because <laughs> this is one that you're going to enjoy, Mr. Neosa. So I'm going to cast you back to the 1949 draft 
Now that, that's that's maybe a bit far usually uh, than yours, Ian. But uh, what I want <laughs> the player I want to concentrate on his nickname was Concrete Charlie. So it was Charles Bednarik. Now he was the first pick of the draft in 1949, but his career highlights and awards are really quite impressive, even for that time. He's a 10 10 time first team All Pro between 1950 and 1961. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler between 1950 and 1960, and he only played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, those are, those are some pretty impressive highlights by any stretch of the imagination. But what was unique about him was that he was one of the last people, one of the last people to be, com- to be uh, called a two-way player. So... He was a starter on the offense, and he was a starter on the defense. Uh, he was also a first-round pick, and this was one of the things that made him the first-round pick. So he was a center on the offensive line. He was uh, his, he was six foot three, two hundred and thirty-three pounds. I can't imagine you seeing any centers of that size nowadays. Add a hundred pounds and a and half a foot onto that, you're probably on the average. But uh, he was also a linebacker on the defense. Now, what another unique thing. Uh, about this big, well, no, not necessarily big, but this hard-hitting concrete Charlie, was that he had a couple of, shall we say, incidents within the league um, where he, he had become quite outspoken, but he also had a few incidents. Um, so one of the things that made him unique, he he used to be known as the hardest-hitting player in the league at that time. Now, he, in 1960... He knocked one Frank Gifford of the New York Giants out of football for over 18 months with what is now one of the most infamous tackles in NFL history. Now, again, we all, we always say have a look on YouTube for some of the clips that we t- uh, you know say and uh, talk about. So this one was where not only did he knock him completely unconscious, but he then celebrated over him at the fact that he had knocked him completely unconscious. So it was a completely clean shot, and there was a lot of outcry about it. Um, but also, he had a famous quarrel with Chuck Knoll, who was play- who once, as a player for the Browns, smashed Bednarik in the face during a fourth down punting play. However, Bednarik then gets got his own back by punching Chuck Knoll in an on-field confrontation after a game in retaliation, and he got fined five hundred dollars for it. And he was forced to apologize to to Chuck Knoll's face. Um, but according to Bednarek, when he gave the apology, Knoll simply responded, BS, and walked away. So Chuck Knoll, famous, uh, I think he was the Steelers head coach for 20-odd years, wasn't he? If I remember rightly. Well, uh, he was, yes. Chuck, Chuck Knoll was the uh, the coach of the Steelers through um, all four Super Bowl wins in the 70s. and went right yeah, up to 1991, I think. I'm not sure if, if memory so serves. sounds about right. I think yeah, but um, was his final season. Yeah, but the, the, he was probably kind of the last of a generation of the kind of uh, two-way players, as they used to call them. So you know, they, he played offense, he played defense. One of the hardest hitters ever, and I think he, he was also known for quoting when asked about modern NFL players. He said, "These guys can't keep up after five plays. They're sucking in air and blowing it out on their knees." So. There you go. Big shout out to Concrete Charlie, Charles Bednarek. Good stat there, Dave. I like it a lot. Jake, what have you got for us? I'm focusing in on the running back room. So there are three running backs with 10,000 rush yards 
and 5,000 receiving yards. I will give you two, and then I want to talk about the third, but I want to see if you can you can pick them out. So, Marshall Falk um, being probably the most notable. Uh, Marcus Allen being the second. Uh, but can you think who the third would be? So, um, how many rush, how many receiving? Uh, 10,000 rush yards and 5,000 receiving yards. Hmm. 10,000 is a lot. That's um, a lot. That's an awful lot. Um, see, I would have said Roger Craig, but I don't think he reached 10,000 rushing. It is not Roger Craig. That's why I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Edger and James. Good guess. Oh, you stole mine. That's the only oh, one. Oh, wait, um, Sorry, Dave. Oh, no, no. It's, I mean, we, we weren't exactly conferring, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that could actually be spot on. I think you may be right there. That That's that the first name that popped into my mind, just, be, you know, what, what you did at the Colts. Yeah. I uh, think this name wouldn't come up if I give you an hour. So I think he's that underrated. I honestly think I could give you an hour and you wouldn't come up with the name Tiki Barber. Tiki oh. Barber, wow. Yeah, no, so he played I his entire not. career with the Giants from 97 to 06. Um, went, was an all-pro one year, um, three times pro bowler, back-to-back-to-back to back to back years. Um, from 2003 to 2006, he gained the most yards from scrimmage by any running back in that four-year period. Just when I was looking through, I was like, man, this guy's underrated. You know, you think of Barber, you think of Ronde, you think of running backs, you don't think of Tiki. Poor guy doesn't get enough love. No, he doesn't. My goodness, that's that. I mean, that's that's fairly uh, illustrious company to be in. Yeah, uh-huh. Marcus Allen and Marshall Fogg. That's not you know. You can feel pretty happy if you were stuck in a room with them, going, "Oh, we're the only ones to do this." I think you definitely can. Wow, that's an awesome stat. Shout out, Tiki Baba. Absolutely. Yes. Um, okay, so my um, random stat concerns turnovers. We all love turnovers when our team gets them. Uh, not so much when it happens to our team. But I'm going to tell you, talk about turnovers, uh, streaks of turnovers, shall we say. It's, it's actually quite, uh, quite surprising when I saw this stat. The most consecutive games played for a team without a turnover is seven. By the 2010 New England Patriots... But I was quite shocked at that. I would have thought, surely, some teams have played well. That is the all-time NFL record. Is the most consecutive games without a turnover is seven. So, but that's not the 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 main stat. The main stat is uh, turnovers in a season. The team with the most turnovers in a season was the 1978 San Francisco 49ers, who in 14 games. Turned the ball over 63 times. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. Anyway, anyway, you look at it, that's a lot of turnovers. And then it got me to thinking, well, who's had the fewest turnovers in the season? And it, uh, believe it or not, Jake, it's your New Orleans Saints. Boop, boop. In 2019, the New Orleans Saints turned the ball over in a 16-game season. Eight times. So it's once every two games. And that is the fewest turnovers 
ever in a season. So the most turnovers, 63 in 14 games. Yeah, imagine they played 17 games that year. <laughs> My God. And the New Orleans Saints with uh, with eight is the fewest. That was eight in 16 games. 2019 New Orleans Saints. So uh, big shout out to them. However, there's more. Because the most turnovers by one team in a single game. I'll t- I'll I'll put this one out to you. What do you reckon is the most turnovers by a single team in one game? By the way, the 1978 49ers are not on this list. They didn't make the cut for the most in the game, despite having 63 in 14 games. What do you reckon? We're going way back in time here. Just give me a number. What do you think is the most turnovers in a single game? 13. Oh, I was going to say 14. Oh, 12. Oh. 12. And it's <laughs> happened three times. And it, the, the last time it happened was actually 1965, where the Pittsburgh Steelers turned it over 12 times against the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. That's an awful lot. Imagine you're trying to, I don't know if any of those teams won. I'm guessing they didn't. <laughs> win any of those uh, but yeah 12 turnovers in a game that's a heck of a lot it really is so yeah that's my random stats it's all about it's all about the turnovers here I, I love turnovers I love reading things about these things turnover margins and you know the fewest and most uh, most consecutive games uh, without a turnover uh, incidentally funnily enough the most consecutive games without a takeaway eight by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2018. They went eight straight games without getting a fumble or an interception. It's hard to win. Hard to win. Who's their quarterback? Who's their quarterback in 2018? No, no, no. It's It's not his job. No, no. It's not his job. He's not the one intercepting (laughs) passes. You were going to have a go at Jameis, weren't you? He's not playing defense. Well, just I just just wanted to. I was just a little query. That's all. I wasn't going to say anything. You knew what the answer was. <laughs> of course, you did. You 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 were totally about to say, "Oh, James Winston, he threw." That's his fault that he didn't get an interception yeah. or fumble recovery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just I'm just gonna take that one. James James needs James needs more love. He doesn't get enough. You does know? he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> you know, all everyone talks about is that thirty interception season. That's it. It's it's like James. It's almost like James played for one year and he threw thirty interceptions. The year that he also led the league in passing. Yeah, and threw thirty-five touchdowns. Okay. Do you know what? I, do you know? What? I, I was going to give a random stat uh, to do with my own Denver Broncos, and I didn't. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what it is now. The Denver Broncos ha- haven't had a quarterback throw for twenty touchdowns in a season since 2014. That, that see, needs to see be in, remedied. See in this day and age. That's that's disgusting. It's criminal, isn't it? That, I mean, that, I actually think, I haven't checked, surely that's the longest streak in the NFL. The modern day, that has to be. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, as in uh, current. Like current, current, streak, current active. Yeah. It's got to be because you think, as we were talking about earlier, quarterbacks these days, are, you know, 4,000 yards is nothing these days. Uh-huh. It, that, that's the old, in fact, I was going to say it's the old 3,000. No, it's not. Because 3,000 used to be a benchmark. If your quarterback was throwing for 3,000 yards, and, and even like the early 90s, 3,000 yards is a lot. You, had, you might have one guy going for 4,000. 
it was always going to be like, you know, Warren Moon or Dan Marino or one of those guys. Um, but, you know, 3,000, if, you, if you'd quarterback through for 3,000 yards, that was good. 20 touchdowns, that was good. But these days, that's nothing. 20 touchdowns, you're like, what is that? 1.02 touchdowns per game or, or whatever it is. I don't know uh -huh. what the maths works out as. But you think to yourself, hang on a second. That cannot be right. And now I went back in time because I'm going, yeah, it is. 2014 is the last time the Broncos had a quarterback to throw for 20 touchdowns in a season. I Russell, think. you've got a lot to, yeah, a lot, a lot to, actually you don't. I was going to say you've got a lot to do to remedy that, but all you need to do is play anywhere near, as, anywhere yeah. near as good as you've done in your career and you'll, you'll break that streak. So on you go, Ross. Let's ride. <laughs> Let's ride. Indeed. So, gentlemen, do we have anything to add before we finish off? I okay. will just add that I will sadly miss next week's episode, most likely, as I will be off island. Wow. We're going to be missing Jake. What do you reckon, Dave? Oh. Do, we, do we draft in a replacement? Or do <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's the only thing is, though, will Jake have a position to come back to? Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he will. I mean, th th we need some positivity in this place. So, you know. No, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure he will. I, I've got absolute faith in, in Jake's abilities uh, to come back and just uh, light it up the second he t comes back onto the mic. Um, last, the, the last, the next, sorry, I'm saying the last, what's wrong with me? The next division, of course, we're going to be doing is the AFC West. Final in the AFC before we move on to the NFC. And, uh, of course, that is going to involve my own Denver Broncos. So I'll probably be talking quite a bit about the AFC You'll West. make up for me. You'll I, make I, up for me. I, I might. Dave, even Dave will be, he'll be like, oh, for God's sakes. I don't, don't know if I want to. You'll be missing me, Dave, next that. week. You'll be messaging me going, wish you were here. Wish you were here. It might be. <laughs> so S uh, SOS smoke signals will be going up. <laughs> Come back, Jake. So next, uh, next week's show, we're going to be discussing the deep dive into the AFC West. We will, of course, have uh, the rest of the news from around the league and, of course, random stats. Uh, Jake, we, we are going to miss you, buddy. We are. And, uh, where, where are you going? Uh, just down to Glasgow. Just so I've stayed in Scotland. I can't, can't you know, go too far. I've got to stay, got to stay in Scotland. Uh, how long are you down for? Just uh, most of the week. I think Tuesday to Friday. Tuesday to Friday. Good for you. Well, you enjoy yourself. Oh, oh, here. Do you know what I've just remembered? I'm away on Wednesday. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm travelling back up from Glasgow. <laughs> My passion. So, so, we, so we, shall, we are going to have the David Wynn FL show <laughs> next week. I cannot wait. You can have the Dave Wynn, yeah? The, the NFL show. The, the, Dave, the Dave, <laughs> Dave FL show. Yeah, you can have that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you are, There is no way I'm missing out on the FC West edition. <laughs> you can just do a Tuesday. I, I, think we, I think we might have to do it on Thursday, Dave. Is that all right, pal? Uh, I suppose I'll let you off with it. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, I'm sure we will. Uh, thanks, everyone, once again for listening in. We really appreciate it. And once again, of course, you can. Uh, get us on Twitter at the WinFL Show, and you can find myself, Jake, and Dave on Twitter. Feel free to noise us up anytime you like. Uh, we do appreciate all the comments and questions that we get um, through social media and and messaging from listeners. We just can't thank you all enough for listening in. Uh, we really appreciate it. And of course, if you have any criticisms, comments, or questions regarding the show, just let us know. Ask us. Uh, we're more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, Jake. 
as ever it's been a pleasure mate dave as ever it has been a pleasure we will speak next week thank you very much for listening to the win fl show